All right, everybody. Um, here's Spencer Grasses again, and we are here uh, with the third episode of our last forecast of futures, the, our podcast here for Stefanini North American APAC. And today I'm here with Amy, and Amy is our legal vice president. So, Amy, thanks for uh, coming today uh, and uh, spend the time with me. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about. Uh, legal on the corporate environment, legal on the business, uh, you being famous to be a very pro-business mm-hmm. um, uh, general counselor. Uh, you are also very active on your social medias. We're going to explore that. You're a public speaker. You represent a lot of communities. You support others, uh, women in leadership. Uh, so a lot of things for us to cover today on your professional career. We want to learn how you get there. I think it's going to be a lot of women uh, out there in the Stefanini, outside of Stefanini, looking to you as like, okay, let me figure that out. Let me understand, you know, how Amy, uh, you know, worked throughout her career, etc. We'll get there, but first we want to know about you. Okay, sure. so. Tell us who Amy is, the, the daughter, the sister, yeah. the wife, the mom, right. the colleague. Yeah, so I think that that's, you know, I lived um, bringing your whole self to work before that was even a thing about bringing your whole self to work and that it, I could, wasn't any different around my kitchen table than I was when I was in the office. It was just the topics I was talking about were different. And I just always felt very authentic in who I was and comfortable being who I was. Um, I attribute a lot of that to being an only child of parents who took me everywhere. Oh, so I said sister. No, I have sister-in-law and we call each other sister. Okay, So that's, yep, we're good. Um, And I have a small group of friends who are my sister, my sister friends. So that is a very true thing. When you're an only child, you develop these friendships that are like your sibling relationships. So, and you refer to each other that way. Um, But I sat around the table with adults talking, having adult conversation. And Mm. that I think set me up really well for a career later on. Um, okay, so you think it, you know, being around adults shaped you in somehow? It, it, it absolutely did. Um, because I wasn't uncomfortable having adult conversations and I wasn't uncomfortable having conversations with people I didn't know because I went everywhere. So um, one of the things my mom did early on is she volunteered for a judge's campaign And in volunteering for that campaign, if he won election as judge, she became his court reporter, one of his employees. So I worked that campaign at seven years old, knocking on doors, talking to people about why it was important to vote for this particular judge. And it really took away a lot of insecurities that I think a lot of children have as when they start new careers so knocking on a door and talking to a stranger was well, not absolutely strange will, to me and what was the background for parents so it looks like there's an uh, intellectual environment the way that you describe it at least what I'm, I'm getting yeah so really interesting um my father in his yearbook his yearbook quote was that he in- he intended to start working so that he could get to college 
Mm -hmm. Um, And interestingly enough, my father passed away from leukemia shortly before I turned 16 years old, but he finished his associate's degree the day he got his last dose of chemo. Mm -hmm. So education was always extremely important. That's just my father's side of the story. Um, My mother, I came home from high school and I said to her, it was my junior year of high school, I said, do you realize not everybody's going to college? And she said, yes, but that's not you. I was raised to think that college was compulsory. Mm-hmm. And it was always a question of what my additional schooling would be after I finished college. So it was very important to them. Um, they both viewed education as a way to get a, have a better career, have a better life. Okay, and then, uh, well then, Law school, right? Right. So uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So um, I was a very compliant child. My mom told me <laughs> I was going to law school. I know it, I don't seem like I'd be a compliant child, but my mom said, you are going to law school. That's where our connections are. That's where we know people. And I think you'd be really good at it. So that's what I did. Did you used to uh, win all your arguments? Or? She claims I did. I'm not sure <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um So going to law school, what I figured out, Spencer, back to the personality piece Mm -hmm. and, you know, being very pro-business, when you're in law school, you do like internships and they call them clerking and you clerk at different, you know, venues and learn the business of of law and a big law firm where everyone was Mr. This and Mrs. That and it was a very hierarchy and you didn't speak and less spoken to did not fit my personality. So I checked that one off the list. Okay, I don't want to go to a big law firm. I worked in a small mm. family law firm, and it was it was fine. But the someone I worked for along the way described it really well, and I'm going to steal it at this point. When you work in the business, like I do with you, it's when we go on a road trip, I'm in the car with you, and I know where we're going. I know how much gas we have before we need the next stop. I know why we're going to that destination. Mm. And when you work at a law firm, you're like the people who are at the gas station along the way. Interesting. And Interesting analogy. Yeah, you just you meet those people, and you know they're going somewhere, but you really don't know why they're going there, and you don't know what they might do next. You just see them for that moment in time. Right. And what I discovered was being at that law firm, I didn't know about these clients and what their goals were. And I didn't, it, it felt very transactional and not close enough for me. And, and uh, okay, so I think uh, I'll, 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 I'll get you back a little bit. Um, so you you a Michigan girl, so, so you born and raised in Michigan. Yes. So where you went to school? Michigan or you get out of the state? To go? Nope, I stayed in, in state to okay. go to school. So right. back, back to the situation where my father had passed away. So now it's time for me to go to college. And I've applied to Michigan State and Michigan. Mm-hmm. And where I grew up, I was closer to... U of M's campus, University of Michigan's campus, but I got accepted to Michigan State, and I grew up as a Michigan State fan. Mm-hmm. So when the acceptance letter to Michigan came in, and I'm like, well, there's no question, I'm going to Michigan State, my mother's face of me moving out, I, just, I couldn't do it. So I changed, I went to U of M and commuted. I didn't go away to school, I stayed at home mm-hmm. and then continued to live with her at home. Um, because it just, it felt like the wrong time to leave her. So I stayed at home for those four years and then left when I started law school and got married, yeah. Okay, gotcha. All right, um, 
you know, you finished law school, you said you went to work with, uh, you know, a family uh, yeah. law firm, etc. And, um, and then how was, how, how was your, your beginning of career and then you start shaping? Because, you know, for the folks that are not exposed to you in a day-to-day, I want to just uh, give them a glance of what Amy is. So, you know, despite the fact that you're a lawyer and a very good one, you're a funny person. <laughs> and it's kind of, kind of a people carries that uh, image of a lawyer, somebody that never smiles, very serious, and, you know, always on the negative side of the equation. And, you know, me and everybody that works with you, I, I think I can speak... Um, uh, on behalf of all of them too, is that uh, you, you is completely different. And, and then you brought to the, to Stefanini here, uh, that, that difference of, I was like, oh, so, so do we can have a general counsel like this that, you know, uh, have fun with us throughout the process and et cetera. So how was that? Amy, like you said, you, you start saying, I, I learned how to be me, yeah. Uh, in a in a in a corporate environment, uh, and we'll talk about that quickly on your transition to a small uh, family law firm and then into an enterprise, uh, because things change perspective when you do that migration. Uh, but how it was, you know, or still for you being Emmy and you know carrying that yeah. general counsel you know stamp on your stuff yeah so I think it, it didn't really crystallize for me until very recently um, people go to law school thinking that they're going to an intellectual spot where they get to read books give their opinion and then you're just gonna follow what they do tell you to do and they can move on to something else and what I've discovered now is that going into the law is a people business. And a lot of people who are attracted to law school don't necessarily like people. And I like people. So I think I was naturally suited to the law. So Rosie was right. I should have gone to law school. Um, but so many people, and you hear all the time about people who are lawyers, and they tell people, oh, don't go to law school. Don't become a lawyer. I don't feel that way. But I do now tell people, you have to be a people person if you're going into the law because you're really helping people. Wrapping up the, the curiosity part of that, but I, I cannot move forward without asking this. So, okay, so how is now a, a lawyer wife and lawyer mom? Yeah. Um, you know, I was raised by a psychologist and then uh, every time that my mom was talking to me, it was like, stop analyzing me, <laughs> uh, stop your question, because I knew, right? And the second question, and I was like, okay, she is trying to get something out of me, uh, professionally using the skills. So how is that? And, uh, you know, from so it, in family environment, yeah, now so that the people that, you know, probably is prepared for argumentation and et cetera, and maneuver blah 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 yeah so it's really funny so my my husband's a former police officer so there you go so we always joked that there were two parenting styles in the home there was the cop way do it because that's the rule and because I said so 
And then there was the lawyer way where everything was negotiable. Mm -hmm. So when they wanted, when they need something, many times the call will be based on the parenting style. If they need to negotiate it, they'll come, they'll come to me to negotiate it first. Or if they just need the answer, yes or no, or how to, how to do this, they'll go to, go they'll go to Todd. Um, so, but yeah, they're, they're very prepared when they come with their questions and ready to negotiate with me, but that's through the process of having to put them through the negotiation when they were younger. So negotiation is the thing. So now I'm gonna go to the pro-business thing because I think it's the, it's the, perfect, um, it's the, it's the perfect link to that. Because I, I can't describe better your role other than it's a negotiator that, is, that knows the limits of the law, yeah. commercial, etc. Because, you know, first of all, people always linked a lawyer with the criminal lawyer, which is not your case. Right, you, you're here for you know uh, commercial contracts, uh, international businesses. It's, it's way more a, a business law uh, oriented press. Yep. So I, I can't describe better than hey, it's somebody that knows the the, the limits of, of the law, and is willing to find common ground when it comes to a. I'll not even call disagreement, but I'll call different points of view, di different positions between companies, and uh, and how you can really negotiate to get to a common point and and move forward in the process of establishing commercial contracts, etc. So so uh, that's my view, but I, I'm interested in yours. So how law negotiation and everything shaped you know the press that you run today here in yeah so when I came out of law school knowing that law firm wasn't the life I wanted to live an opportunity came up to be in-house with the former discount retailer Kmart Corporation which mm -hmm. was located in you know headquartered in Troy and a lot of lawyers don't go right from law school in-house and I remember the general counsel, when he was interviewing me, say, why would I hire you? You don't have any experience. And I immediately responded back, but I also don't have any bad habits to break. So coming in fresh there, I listened to my colleagues in the law department, and they were, they were almost fighting with their business, the business person coming to them for help, telling them no. To get, making it harder for them to get something done. And back to, are we having fun at what we're doing? Are we happy or are we miserable? And I wanted to help the people that were coming for help to get to the destination they wanted to go to and I wanted to have fun with them while we were doing it. And telling people no and holding them up and preventing a business deal from going forward wasn't positive and I found at my core I'm a really positive person and invest my energy in that positivity so I d then became the person you would come to if you really wanted to get your deal done because mm -hmm. I was finding a way to say yes rather than oh. telling you no 
So finding way to say yes. Yeah, like what is so many in-house lawyers spend their time telling you what's wrong with the deal rather than looking for what's right with it and how can we make what's not great okay or yeah. good en- or good enough. Good enough. Yeah. Acceptable. Yeah. So um So then you have your own perspective of how is um, uh, practicing your your profession. profession. Uh, you got a lot of uh, experience, you know, under the belt. You 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 have uh, a lot of uh, success already established, etc. And then you. You know, we get to a point that you and I met for lunch in a Mexican restaurant. And, uh, and at that point, you were interviewing with me, right, for, for, the, for the job. I know my side of the story, but uh, the, the thing here is, what made Stefanini attractable uh, to you at that point? Yeah, so... Not knowing the companies yet. Knowing the, the company through... My sales ability, uh, high sales ability, etc. But then, uh, you know, so what was your take? Yeah, so this is a fun part of the story that you've never, I don't think you've ever heard. Um, what child girl? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> back, to, back to your point about some of the nonprofit work that uh-huh. I do. There's a, the, the group of women that I've met through doing that nonprofit work. All, there's a group of them that are from Brazil and live here. And they've been, they had been joking with me for years that I'm actually Brazilian mm. and that my personality would really fit the Brazilian culture. culture. Uh, so I had that in the back of my head. Now, the other piece to it is most lawyers don't act the way I do. So a lot of companies wouldn't want this lawyer as their general counsel because she's not serious enough. She smiles too much. Oh, so did you get that as a negative? Yeah. Throughout your career? Right, because you're not intimidating. You're you're not ah. serious enough. You, okay. You know, we I need we need someone who's going to scare people. But again, this is for the criminal thing. But I I got the yep. point. Uh-huh. So so perception wise, you know, when you're the the lawyer who people don't really think is a lawyer, it that every positive has a negative, right? The the whole yeah. yin and yang. So talking to you, I was like, oh wait a second, this is going to this is gonna really work for me because Deb has been telling me for years I'm actually Brazilian. And what I can tell from Spencer is they're gonna like the fact that I'm bringing the positive to it and wanting to move it forward. And the fact that I'm not so negative or, you know, I'm happy doing working and those type of things. So my side of the story is we leave that lunch, I come back home because I was working from home at that period of time. I say to my husband, oh my gosh, I hope this works out because this is going to be amazing. Um, because it really was, I felt like this was the, going to be the perfect fit for my personality and for what your vision for where we were, where we're going. Yeah. Well, s- same from our side, it's just because we're sharing, right? So then uh, we finished that lunch and then uh, Hyde and I jumped in the car and I, uh, I drove us back. And, and we, we were talking, right? It's like, okay, she's just like us. It's like, 
she rather sugar than salt and you know <laughs> love than hate and then this is this is us here yeah. and you know we love to crack a big laugh and it, when when it's possible uh, and we were looking for that positiveness on in doing doing your job so right. we're 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 looking for someone to be on the car with us. I love, I love your analogy because we want, we want our general counselor sitting on the car with us, not, not from somewhere else. Right. It's like are you guys going, and I'm, t- I'm not taking the risk. So it's like, hey, I'm here. I'm, right. I'm with you. And then if I'm saying it's okay. Because I did my job already, and you know I'm telling you it's okay. You can trust, and you can trust because I'm sitting here with you. So, you know, just continuing the analogy. Right. If I say, look, do we have enough gas to get to that point? And you say, yes, yeah, you can go. Yep. Because I'm here too, and you know, if we got stuck in the middle of nowhere, I'll be with you, and we'll push the car all together to the next gas station. So. Yep. That, that that type of thing um so that yeah fine and then you're you know you're finally on board and etc and you're causing a revolution here internally because people are like oh my gosh like you know a lawyer that smiles and smiles a lot and you know and you know easy is a smile and and we saw the progression of our uh, commercial negotiations and it start getting easier and the funny part of that you know that got easier meanwhile we strength all our commercial terms and controls which amazed me a lot when we're like wait a second we're making our commercial agreements to be more uh, technical our MSAs and SOWs even more strong but it's getting easier, so yeah. it, it. I think that the human aspect, etc. Right. Yeah, and I think the other piece of that, Spencer, is a lot of lawyers don't realize they just they went to school to learn a different language. That's all it really is. I just speak a legal language that other people don't speak, and my job is to be your interpreter of what that stuff means. Right. You you bridge things, right? Right. Pretty much. Yep. And if I can then make it sound less lawyer-like and more yeah. put it in the business language it's all the better it becomes easier for everybody because then it's the legal protection we need but it's written in our business language well, not in the lawyer i language. think every commercial agreement carries letters and you know uh terms and goals mutual individual obligations rights and etc but but it it carries a spirit of partnership if if it if it doesn't transmit a spirit of partnership it's missing something it's right. failing it's not perfect and and i think uh, you your your add your your addition your your uh collaboration to what we do with our clients is it's making sure that all of those technical aspects are there but that that agreement also reflects in the spirit of collaboration. That's right. So um, 
I, I have a couple questions that I want to cover, but the first one is about the co-creation because it's what we say, right? We co-create with our clients solutions that will take the world to a better future, right? How you think that translates into the legal aspects of what Stefanini does with the clients? Yeah, so the, it translates primarily in our statements of work and where we're documenting what it is that we're co-creating. And one of the biggest differences that I noticed when I came was I was asking the salespeople, well, what are we doing? What's, what's the client's business? Like, I understand what their business is, but why are they doing this project? And what is it they want to accomplish? Because back to your point, we've got to understand the context of what our client needs mm -hmm. so we can capture it and it's not just SLAs and making sure we're going to meet these certain metrics. It's, right. it's the why behind. Why do we need to meet those metrics? So I'll tell you a small story about where that really got crystallized for me once. Um, I was at a client location in one of my previous positions. It, the relationship had gone very, very poorly. Mm. And we were now at the point where we were probably going to lose that customer. Mm. So let's bring... Let's bring the nice lawyer with us and see if we can make this a little bit better before it's over. And the person who was the business person on the other side, right, our contact, our not meeting the SLAs meant she didn't get her bonus three years in a row. Mm -hmm. And our business team didn't know that. Mm. And that was, for me, it really crystallized yeah, when you're delivering or not delivering, you're impacting somebody's livelihood potentially. Absolutely. So understanding that when we deliver the implication. Yeah, we're we're not just helping our yeah, we're not just helping our clients innovate. We're potentially helping our partner at the at our client send their child to college. Of course. Go yeah. go on a you know bucket list vacation. That's a good so I think that's why our documents have changed because that's the spirit I bring to the work, work that we do. When we're delivering for our clients, we're helping them meet not just their business goals, but their family goals, their personal goals, the things they want to accomplish because they're a human being on this planet. Well, I'm so aligned with that because yeah. I, you know, I used to say, you know, I say that all the time that at the end are you know two people representing big organizations but are two or or a group of people doing business uh at, at the personal level the, you know try to convince me that is not that way you're gonna have a hard time right it is it is because like you said the you know the the corporate objectives are cascaded down mm -hmm. to levels and levels and levels until it gets to you and your personal um, objectives, you know, are aligned and aligned with your personal objectives in life. Now, um, switching gears a little bit, technology, right? So now, now, well. Uh, you came from a technology firm before here, uh, but in kind of a difference, more, <clears throat> excuse me, more into um, resource augmentation, etc. 
here we deploy technology, right? Uh, so now you're a lawyer, that very human, uh, like a strong human drive, people drive in a technology company. So now how you see all of that coming together? Uh, and then we'll talk uh, about the recent uh, technology, etc. But But now it's like, how is law yeah. in Stefanini that produce solutions based on technology? Yeah. So I think one thing that I want to just, from a historical perspective, it used to be way back when that when you got your law degree, it gave you access to the legal books. Hmm. And that's why you had a law degree and you were the only, people couldn't have access to the what the book said. Only lawyers had access. And now technology gives everybody access to what the laws say. So from a legal perspective, lawyers who can't change their philosophy, like, oh, only you can only come to me to understand the law. I didn't have that philosophy and I, it's really served me well now because people have access to the law. So it's what is the value I'm adding? Because you can read it and figure out what you need to do. It's the, is talking to me adding some value to your understanding of what our obligations would be or what our legal requirements are. So technology was the best way, early adopter of technology, was it the best way for me to integrate the legal process into the business. So anytime a new technology got adopted, you know, I look at it and say, is there a legal aspect to it? How can I use it? And will using it make Dan's life better? Will it make Shu's life better? Will it help me serve Gladys in a more efficient way? So how am I using it to then improve the experience of the people that my work feeds, basically? Um, that's my philosophy. So what we, and I think about what we do in a technology company, isn't that kind of what we do? Is that we're building these technologies yeah. to help our clients either do what they do more efficiently right. or completely innovate and do it better and right. potentially leapfrog in themselves into a different space. So it's this, I view the legal piece as just a, like a puzzle piece of that. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double click on chat DPT. Mm. So what is, what are your thoughts about lawyer professional threatened by the chat DPT. You have been talking about different, well, first of all, you have so many specialties, right? Uh, in, in terms of the law. Uh, but more than that, you have the traditional, and I'm, I'm putting you outside of the traditional, you know, yeah. lawyers. Um, I'm not trying to box anybody, yeah. but, you know, I feel like you are in a different group that has a different way of thinking. But, uh, you know, the, the world is talking about ChatGPT is going to, I don't believe personally, ending, but changing. And then uh, some professionals and people are saying that law 
the, the lawyer professional is one uh, that can be radically impacted, affected mm -hmm. uh, by this technology. So yeah. how you how you see that corporate law, you know, and then you know, like well, like you say, in you you guys go in house law, right. and then what is the uh, the other outside outside outside, outside okay. counsel? Yeah. Okay. So. I will say I think ChatGPT is going to disrupt the way lawyers deliver legal advice. Not to say the least. Yeah. And it should. That, it should? It okay. should. It's um, not me, folks. Right. That's um, a lawyer saying it. I'm... Yeah, but the, the way we train lawyers needs an innovation and an interruption. Even though I went through that old process, there's a lot of good, there's some good there. Um, mm -hmm. But it needs a shakeup, and a shakeup's probably been long overdue. Um, I think I I like new technology and new tools. I like to test it out. I've been trying to break ChatGPT and get it to give me legal advice, um, and I keep getting the I am not a lawyer. You know, you need to check with a lawyer. But I keep trying anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, I've used it for us in the sense that I will. I know what I think is right. But I test myself by putting it in ChatGPT to see what I can get. Mm -hmm. Is there something out there that I haven't learned yet? Um, I'm constantly well, testing you, you my own access, knowledge. You have access to the to the public to, yep. to the public knowledge to the uh, sure. jurisprudence. No, that's that's a Portuguese yeah. word. No, that's good. It's yeah. it's an English word. Worked. Yep. Yep. So you, you you have access to that. So at least it's a great engine to search that's exactly so right. that, that that leads to my next question right so um how are you seeing this technology helping you and your teams uh getting the job done right because we all have you know the dream work of sitting in a nice room and having ideas and you just just discussing the future and what's going to be the next revolution. We have those moments. We have moments like this, that in the middle of our work day, we can stop to, you know, talk about our thoughts and etc. But everybody in this world has a set of tasks mm -hmm. that needs to get done every single day, right? I have mine, you have yours, everybody. So is ChatGPT helping you and your teams to get jobs done? Yeah, it is. So I'll give you a for instance. We needed to come up with a policy about how we wanted our employees to use ChatGPT. Right. I went into ChatGPT and said, please draft a, a give me a draft policy of how to responsibly use ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a draft policy. That then, and it was probably 75% okay? Yeah. It was, and then you polished? Yep. It and was, then you put it, your swing on that? Yep. It gave me my first draft. Mm -hmm. I made edits to it and then, you know, shared it with Heidi. And then we put the Stefanini way that we wanted right. it to be read. So something that I'm trying to write it from scratch without any help. So saved you time. A ton of time. Okay. Which then freed me up to move on to something else and so on and so on. So this is, I, I think it's a, it's a right way to, to 
pick up. It's a, it's a tool. And then and, and, and an opportunity for us to, you know, say to people that are listening to us, gonna need you you're gonna need your judgment or whatever is created and you know and presented to you don't trust 100 right don't don't take whatever llm chat tpt and others are giving to you just copy paste and send it over oh, yeah. because it might, it might put you in trouble uh you you have to have your own filters your your um, um, your culture, you know, inputs into that whatever information it is. I think you know we have to uh, you know give the service to whoever is listening to this. Right, it's a great tool that can save you time if you put time also uh, to polish and to make sure that everything that is in there reflects what you're thinking and trying to communicate instead right. of a just going uh, straight cop and paste and send it over it can put you in a situation that you are really not looking to it right that's exactly right the other way in which i've used it is there's always legal updates happening and you need to oh. i need you know i need to sort through them and figure out what what impacts us what do i yeah. need to know what do i need to let someone know like what do i need to tell carla gee this has changed from a marketing you know marketing law perspective yes. yeah. we need to make it so i use it for a way to either fabio gave me this one summarizing the legal updates newsletters that i get to highlight the important parts um uh, you know it's just another great tool in the in the toolbox um the other thing i will, will say about it is it's going to get rid of, take care of like the mundane tasks that are more boring, mm -hmm. but that in the law profession, you can charge a lot for them, even though- So, oh, so there's the disruption that is coming up, what you say. Yeah, but lawyers who are doing that, like traditional hourly rate billing mm. are gonna really need to think differently about how they're delivering those services. So if we had an issue where we needed to go to outside counsel, Spencer, I'd be asking them. Like, I don't want to pay just the hourly rate for this. I, let's talk about what the project will cost. Yeah. I, because I want a project from you that I need. I don't necessarily want to pay that large lawyer hourly rate right. anymore. Absolutely. So I think, you know, outside lawyers, law firm lawyers who haven't figured out how to package their services in a way that it's I'm delivering a project to my client are going to really struggle because they're not they're they're going to get disrupted because that lower level hourly stuff right so Amy so you're saying technology is here to help lawyers and in our case, and I'm so glad to say that, that you know, our legal department is here to help the company keep growing and making sure that we have health relationship commercial agreements with all of our customers. And, uh, and I'm glad to say that uh, we have a very happy legal department <laughs> that is pro-business, uh, that you can always have a partner to work with and um, 
and have um, you know and have a positive approach to everything that we do even then like you and I we know that we yeah. deal with we deal with stuff right we, who doesn't you know a firm like our our size it's always dealing with stuff but it's the approach right. and the spirit that we put in everything right, right. yep All exactly right. you know we're so happy and glad to have you on board uh, thanks for spending uh, this time with us uh, to be a truly uh, representative of the Stefanini spirit yeah. and the Stefanini family. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, Emmy with us. Thank you. Thank you.